Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Alex Thomas, Wine Director at Adelina Chicago. How are you doing today, Alex? I'm great. How are you? I am good, thank you. Appreciate you spending some time with us on Business Ninjas. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and about Adelina Chicago. Yeah, um, well, I grew up here in Chicago. Uh, I definitely am a hometown girl. Uh, I split my time between Wisconsin and here in Illinois, so I have a little bit more of that Midwestern-ish to me. Uh, but my background professionally necessarily is very beverage-focused. Uh, I was a bartender at a very young age. Uh, I started kind of going through the ranks of restaurants, bars, um, and just got really, really, really interested in beverage side of things, chemically, scientifically, socially, uh, you know, all of these great things that beverage sometimes touches upon the people that love it. Um, I kind of fell uh, into a wine directing role very right out of college um, with some very wonderful people out in the middle of Iowa, actually. Uh, uh, I kind of was working with a master psalm out there with all an Italian portfolio. So it kind of really opened the door of like some chaos and some really beautiful love language of wine for me. So uh, I've worked in whiskey out in the West Loop of Chicago. So that's a very profound uh, neighborhood for uh, definitely a town that loves whiskey and embraces it very much so. And then I found myself back in wine a couple of years later, working with some great, um, wonderful people, wonderful programs, and, and which led me to Adelina. So uh, Adelina is about going to celebrate our two-year anniversary this summer. Uh, we're definitely an American Italian modern style. We're headway by some Michelin star chefs in the back. So, you know, during COVID, there was a lot of um, movement happening and a lot of closures. You know, the place that I came from previously was a Michelin star um, that did not make it through uh, COVID era as well. So it was kind of a really great time for a lot of creative people with great talent to come together and like really put something special in this neighborhood called the Gold Coast of Chicago, which is really the birthplace of Chicago steakhouses, if you really want to call it. So it has like some really big glitz and really big glam about it. But like we are kind of more this neighborhood a spot that everyone enjoys coming to. It's definitely not your red sauce joint. It's definitely a lot more uh, thought-provoking on the food. It's definitely more creative. It's definitely more chef-driven. Um, and the wine program is definitely um, Italian-focused. But in that neighborhood, we love Napa a lot. So there's definitely a really big uh, back and forth of American domestic wine love and definitely a little bit more of the old world kind of conscious. So it's been a really interesting kind of journey through post-COVID as a restaurant and seeing what the new frontier of restaurants definitely will start becoming. Excellent. And and, and what's the Adelina origin story? You said you're, you're celebrating your two-year anniversary. Is this their only restaurant? Yeah, this is the first one. Um, so it's basically a group of individuals that all came from different um, parts of the industry. So we have a couple of owners that came from uh, a restaurant group that is very prominent in Chicago, um, a steakhouse. It's Gibson's Group. This is a very resounding name throughout. So really great kind of um, uh, background with that. And then we have some guys that are in the uh, more nightlife entertainment in industry. And they came together with their love of just like restaurants and hospitality. And they just saw a really great opportunity during COVID to put, again, a restaurant that really that 
that neighborhood doesn't really have, nor has it started to come around the idea of a more chef-driven kind of concept rather than larger groups. But um, And it's a really great um, concept too because you get to work really, really closely with your operators. You get to work very closely with your ownership, which again, in that area, everything is very large corporations, very large uh, restaurant groups that you don't even get that kind of creative push with. So um, it was just really great timing for them to come together and find this really great spot that's on State Street, which is a very famous street in Chicago as well, as Frank Sinatra would, would say. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of like a meeting alignment of the stars and like finding some great people to run the back of house, finding some great people to run the front of house. So it was just a really great time. So we're looking for the next uh, uh, spot right now. We're finding the next alignment for us that's going to like very much push us into the next era of restaurants too. So it's an exciting time. In terms of timing, uh, two years means you opened your doors right after the beginning of COVID. Um, I'm sure there were some eyebrows at the top of heads at that point because you, you know, you don't open a restaurant quickly. There's a lot of planning that goes into place and, uh, you know, <laughs> opportunities versus um, obstacles. Tell me how you managed to not just survive, but thrive opening a restaurant at the beginning of COVID? I think it was kind of like the restaurant industry or very much we pivot a lot. We have to pivot. Um, there's a lot of things that we can't predict. There's a lot of things that we just can't see, but really in the hospitality industry is like, how does the show keep going? You know, and I'm not saying it is like a show, like a bravado, but it, we are on all the time for our, our guests, our clients, and we have to keep going because at the end of the day, people look at restaurants sometimes as a frivolous thing or a, a special thing, or even like a restaurant like ours, which is an aspiration restaurant. People aspire to go to this restaurant, save up money to go, or they like to be seen there. So it's not just that. I think for us in the industry, we look at it as that we're trying to provide nourishment. We're trying to provide food and comfort and, and a time that's like really uncomforting. <laughs> Um, and so I feel like that's like the core mission for us when we were going through it, but it, it was a, a mentality that we're all in this together. And there are, even without COVID, the industry was very difficult already as it is. Sure. I think that the guest and the, um, and the worker relationship has been a little broken, you know, based with all these tensions and these wants and these needs and the way that the food industry is going, even with that. So um, I think the difficulties were like trying to place policing on restaurants, which was very difficult already in a stressful environment. Um, even like my family is like when you're in international kind of um, areas, the Gold Coast, you have a lot more concerns about a lot of international clientele. So you're seeing hundreds, 400, 300 covers a night and you're wearing masks and you're running around and you're serving food and you know, I think it's just kind of one of these adrenaline rushes that people just don't think about, okay, what could this be doing right now to me? I don't know. And sometimes it, it does. It affects people to that degree of they have to completely remove themselves from that environment. And some people did in the industry. They completely got themselves out of the industry. They went on and did some other passions. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I know some people, obviously, that are thriving after that. Um, but like the people that stayed after COVID, the, the veterans, if you want to call it, you know, we kind of, it's not, I don't think it's a badge of honor by any means. I think it's just more of like, we were trying to do our jobs and trying to provide for our families by also providing to our clients. 
So it's kind of this hand in hand of like this, just pivot, just keep going and pivot. And we're going to try to like meet every challenge uh, and think creatively, think uh, openly, think as much as we possibly can. Because again, it's like the old ways aren't working anymore. So like, let's think of how it can work in a different way. So I think that was a pretty big champion of entirety of COVID. Um, but yeah, it's like I, I lost my voice the first like out of two months that we were open with a mask on describing wine as the only person in that building. It's like, I have to do this. I have to provide a, um, a program for the individuals who work at this restaurant so that they can provide for their family. So it's like the sense of duty in some aspect. But I think, you know, it's just kind of like this camaraderie in the Chicago industry, too, is like we we really have to make and mainstay these institutions. We really want to hold down the fort and we really want to make sure we're not losing anybody in our own kind. So I think it was just like anybody. We were all just meeting the challenges as they came and um, working with our community and working with our clients and working with our um, our coworkers and just kind of listening to them and seeing what we can do better. I think that was a really core thing because a lot of frustrations obviously arise, but I think listening to your employees, listening to who's on the, the front, how can we as operators make things better to have a better working environment so that we can have longevity? I think that was a big one. Well, sitting here, it sounds like having ownership that all come from various different aspects of the industry is huge because then you get every perspective at the table and the, the, the collective mind is open rather than having four guys who've all owned steakhouses and have a sort of a narrow focus at how to move forward. Mm -hmm. You have to be agile and you have to pivot. I mean, COVID was a wake up call for a lot of people that weren't prepared for that sort of pivot. Yeah. What makes you stand out from all the other restaurants on the Gold Coast there? Well, like I was saying before, the Gold Coast is a, it's a very old neighborhood. It has a lot of like history behind it. You have some of the largest per capita real estate in this area too. So like I said, the Gold Coast named after for a reason. This is the birthplace of Chicago steakhouses, which are huge models in the rest of the country too. And it's very iconic for a lot of people to think of Chicago as steakhouse. So it's kind of like, it's really easy to stand out in the Gold Coast by not being a steakhouse, I think. So I think, you know, when you're going to Italian, you have to tiptoe very carefully with Chicago because this mentality, Capone, Sinatra, you know, this red sauce joint, you know, these really beautiful uh, Italian-American restaurants are amazingly, like, scattered throughout of Chicago, and they have, like, this core. But standing outside of that alone, definitely bringing in more of this creative Michelin. So, I mean, like, that kind of that word a lot of people kind of throw around James Beard Michelin you know the the really like the academy awards of the restaurant industry like we strive to do that I mean a lot of people look at like the bear and you know look at the menu and then kind of really see you know what that really sacrifice takes but I think the Gold Coast just wants something new because during COVID a lot of things did die so not a lot of things have remained but the big institutions. So I think that there is this really great precipice that Adelina got in right in the beginning that there is going to be a new wave of wants in this neighborhood. And it's going to be what really energized the Chicago uh, restaurant industry a couple years ago, which was Restaurant Row on Randolph Street with Girl and the Goat. 
and you have a lot of celebrity chefs and you have um, some amazing Michelin stars on that street and even in Fulton Market. So, but it's getting a little bit too big. It's getting a little bit too um, kind of, you can't even fit in there. So Gold Coast is just prime for people with that talent, with that kind of like pivot, if you want to call it that, that pivot away from not necessarily forgoing the historical aspect of Chicago restaurants, but evolving them into something different for the next generation of diners. And Gold Coast, especially Adelina, is starting to bring that to light in that neighborhood. I mean, so there's even some really great talent moving down the street. Alpana, uh, who is a wonderful and amazing figure in the wine world, uh, opened up her restaurant down the way. And it's very outside of the box and it's very different approach. So again, like you have really a great amount of talent that's incubating just alone after COVID. So I think there's a blossoming after the storm for us. And Adelina definitely is trying to capture that attention and like that new curiosity of the new wave of that really specific neighborhood. Excellent. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I wouldn't typically ask a wine director, but you certainly have a much broader global sense of the industry and your restaurant's place in it than the average wine director. Let's just... Oh, thanks. Um, it's 2023. You got to tell your story. People have to know why they should be coming to your restaurant. I mean, in your world, expertise, authority, and trust is everything. When somebody is having a beautiful meal and they want to pair a wine with it, they're handing you their money and, and their palate, right? So there's a yeah. huge trust factor. How is Adelina telling the story? How are you gaining the trust of the public to come to your restaurant these days? You know, I think this is a really big thing, especially with like the name of my position, a sommelier. So this it, it's just beginning there is a very, um, there's a lot of con, like a lot of association with that. Sometimes it's very stuck up. It's very, um, very controlling, very demeaning. You know, it's kind of like this person that comes to the table and look, looks down at you at their nose and basically tells you, if you don't know the first gross of Bordeaux, then why do I bother talking to you? You know, that kind of stigma. Sorry, I've experienced wine Nazis in that very same scenario. So I'm trying not I mean, to laugh, but going there, don't laugh. All of us, it, like Sans, we're big nerds. You know, we are. And it's, it's sometimes, you know, it attracts people with brilliant minds, you know, that necessarily what comes out is not always like what they had in mind. But it's it's kind of turning away from that, that stigma and saying, you know, I want to, instead of discluding people from the information that we have gained, that we have, you know, a marathon that is never ending of information of wine accolades and or um, levels, depending on which program or directive you choose, um, is sometimes we look at it as a badge of honor and we look at it, it's like, well, if you haven't gone through it, then, you know, you're, you know, not worth the time. I think it's more of like, let me share all the knowledge that I have accumulated so that you can be interested to coming down this path with me. I think that's kind of like really how we're trying to inclusive all the information and knowledge that this this specific position holds and has to obtain. So in that regards, it's like that's just the position itself. Now, explaining wine to people is another whole entire mountain itself. How do you explain to someone their own palate? It's a very difficult thing to do because it's subjective and it's very personal. Um, a lot of people don't realize that your your taste and like your association with what things taste like is very associated to memory and how you tasted them in the first place or um, 
how we have aversions like oh i had this one time that i like my mom chased me around the house with olives on her fingers and now i have a deathly fear of olives <laughs> no you know like that's the thing is like it's it's a very like psychological thing so somebody like myself who has this trust necessarily as a position will rattle off like this wine has a mild acidity with beautiful bouquets and you know da 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 you kind of get snake charmed into this like beautiful language and you're like i don't know what the hell i'm talking about but this person does and it sounds amazing and then whatever they're saying convinces you what you're drinking is exactly how they did it so it's kind of like this magic trick sometimes that you know sommeliers use but at the same time there's not a lot of guests that ask why does that happen so the explaining of like, well, this is what acid is on and this is what tannin is and this is what body feels like. So it's kind of giving um, as a, an approach to education and guess necessarily how do we identify what's happening to our palates when we drink wine so that we can be better consumers in the future of it. So it's more or less like I feel like approaching, especially a country like Italy, Italy is the largest wine growing country in the world. Every region of that country grows wine. It has upwards to three plus thousand varietals. It's very confusing. So when you have a list that's pretty much like 50 plus percent that country, uh, you have to be really good at explaining really the nuances or differences between each region or even just a varietal that's grown in two different places. So you have to have an exercise of patience as well. So uh, especially with a, a, a profession of ours that it's not very patient as much as we like to have patience for wine aging. We don't have a lot of patience in explaining our knowledge sometimes in a very compact amount of time. You know, it's a complicated subject. I could talk about, you know, literally my brother texted me about carbonic maceration the other day and I was like, how much time do you have? <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of like streamlining information, making it relatable I also think in colors and in sounds when I taste wine. So even understanding music vibrations, paintings, blending of colors, giving people scenarios or situations that are common to them, bridging the gap makes them have this great connection with a professional like myself that otherwise would have a really bad connotation before coming to the table or a fear. And I've had many guests that say like, thank you for taking the time to like, even just to explain something to us so that when we go to another restaurant, we can say that language to a sommelier and they would definitely understand it. It's just really opening up the syntax of wine for people is really the core and that it opens a huge, huge door for them for wine. So I think that's the approach to the program is like not just making people enjoy wine, enjoy the experience of wine and food together, but leaving feeling that they're valued as guests, feeling valued not being belittled or like saying you don't know or you know you're we're we're not your restaurant because you don't know this you know i don't think that's ever the right way to approach it and you know gold coast being a very you know affluent area it's very easy to definitely go down that path with guests and 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 disregard them so i think that the the harder work is definitely going the route of of giving um, and, and really giving them the knowledge that they can have a better experience no matter where they go after that. I think almost the entirety of that description can be 
translate it over to how your restaurant has to market itself in terms of lifting up the consumer and educating them. You know, a lot of times when you use the term Michelin star, people think, oh boy, elbows off the table. You know, I have to use that fork for this dish and uh, I don't want to do anything wrong while I'm here. Yeah. It's still food. There's still people. It's still service. You know, it's it should be inclusive. You should be lifting and educating people. And, and I appreciate your approach to it. Yeah, it's uh, definitely with the bigger interest of the market moving towards like film and, and shows of really what the Michelin world looks like. And 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 to be honest with you, like very correct interpretations of it and and realizing that we're all human, too. I think there there's a different turn that's going on that I think that education, whether it's people like myself or, you know, definitely cinema or the, the you know, just like stories being told and people actually realizing that it's not an easy thing. It's definitely a difficult thing. And, but we're all humans at the end of the day. And I think that was a really big hitting point for this. We're pushed, a good chef of mine said, we're just putting food on plates. people." <laughs> Slight oversimplification when you're, when you're staring at Michelin stars and James Beard awards and things like that. No, yeah. In, in the land of sommelier, when I find a person whose palate is in the zip code of mine, I latch on because you can just you can use all the colorful terms in the world, but if my body doesn't react to a wine the way yours does, and there are plenty of people for whom that's not the case, I have dear friends who have completely different palates for wine, you know. So it, you find a person who uh, who speaks to you, you you latch on and you stay with them. So, mm -hmm. all right. Fast forward a year from now, what's something you'd like to be celebrating personally and professionally? Oh, well, let's see. Um, professionally, you know, a year in a restaurant is like dog years. So it's kind of like almost what do you want to be doing in five years is more of the connotation for me. You know, I definitely in a year or so want to definitely have a second location. Obviously, that's always a goal for a restaurant group, a young restaurant group to expand to have a different concept a different um pooling of ideas a pooling of creativity i think that's a lot of the times we get stagnant so i think that's in a year i want to focus on educating another staff building another seller that has a, a completely different expression for another concept of wine i think i love the restaurant group that i'm with i love the people that i'm with they give me such great freedom and license and usually in this industry when you find something like that particularly awesome you don't really want to let it go because i've been in this, this like this specific city in a while and this is the only one that has held on so much into its people and caring about it and really wanting to listen to them so i mean when you find something that's good and you find something that benefits you not just in financials but benefits you personally and like professionally i think that's something to explore and hold on for another year um, it's going to be a crazy restaurant uh, era, I really do believe. So I think that's going to be a fun ride. Personally, you know, I definitely always want to, I have a tasting group with some, um, a small amount of individuals in my restaurant who are trying to go through their levels and trying to learn more um, through like on their own personal goals. So I enjoy being a teacher. I enjoy helping people get to that goal. And, you know, I have one specific, you know, friend of mine who's going through their level two and you know it's a very stressful thing and championing them and you know really trying to help them through what something that you have already done like really helping them on and inspiring other people to follow so i think that's personally what i want to do is like i want to create a little bit uh more 
attention on our tasting group and more attention on the individual and their personal growth within our restaurant, not just within our restaurant, but there's definitely people outside our restaurant that come to this tasting group. So helping the community of individuals that otherwise wouldn't fit into, you know, a tasting group might be full or like their dynamic is a little bit different or their directive is a little bit different, just making it inclusive. I think that's a really big thing. Like everyone just gets so scared about the stigma of this path of wine that I think just champion it personally, you know, talking to people, talking to everyday guests, talking to people outside of work. Like, uh, I know it's kind of like this preachy kind of thing, but like, I feel like this is such a, uh, again, like such a turning point for the beverage industry because there's so many people talking about it. So personally, I think there's a lot more to discover, giving education and, and nourishing uh, journeys for people through the wine industry. I'm going to say that you have found a, a situation that you appreciate and thrive in. And I'm hoping that the uh, administration over there understands they found the right person to carry the torch for them. Oh, thanks. They're great. Uh, <laughs> your love of the subject is palpable and you're obviously an open giving person. And, and as a guest at a restaurant, you know, that you can't even ask for that. Usually that's above and beyond what you normally get when you ask to have somebody come over and explain the wine list to you. <laughs> My pleasure. Why don't you tell everybody what your URL is, how they can find Adelina, and what social media channels you're using these days? Yeah, so Adelina is, we have adelinachicago.com. That is our website. We also have a handle on um, Instagram. That's Adelina Chicago. Um, definitely there, we do a lot more uh, updates on our Instagram than our website. Uh, our website's kind of like more of our core and more uh, basic information. Uh, and then a lot of people do ask if we have the wine list online. We don't because it changes so frequently. I never want to disappoint people. So that's another reason. Um, just because I know that question might come up. Uh, and then, yeah, so our Instagram is definitely a lot more flowing on our current events, what we're doing every day, following um, our rock star chefs and, you know, following me. And I'm going to go to Sonoma later this year. So it's going to be like all this great kind of content. Um, and then my handle, which I'm also not technologically awesome, <laughs> but it is A-L-T-H-O-M-A is my Instagram handle. So um, I post about certain things that I get excited about, wine stuff, but it's definitely more of a, a content of like my personal mixed with my professional. So, but yeah, I'll definitely, it's a growing company. So we're looking for the next place. So definitely the, the information overload will come. All right. Alex Thomas, Wine Director at Adelina Chicago. Thanks for spending some time with us here today on uh, Business Ninjas. I appreciate what you do. All the best to you and yours and to continued success at Adelina. Thank you. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io, W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E.io and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.